journey into the Citadel, where our pastor is Superintendent Johnson A. Bevan III. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. As well as to uh, share the word of God with you, and uh, certainly the love of God uh, in this particular way. So thank you again for gathering with us on this Lord's Day. And with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, as we would move into the word of God this morning. Father, we bless you again, and we thank you for your wondrous grace upon our lives. Because of your grace, God, we are able to experience the wonders of your love. Your grace is amazing, and your love, God, is unconditional. And your love, God, surpasses everything. For love even covers a multitude of sins. And so we thank you, God, for your grace Thank you for your love and for your kindness unto us, God, that comes again out of your grace and out of your love. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us and uh, heals us and causes uh, us and gives us access to your presence, even this very moment right now. Uh, we don't come before you, God, in our own goodness and our own greatness or anything about us, Lord, because uh, we are nothing but we are what we need to be and everything about you because of Jesus Christ, uh, who is our Redeemer, our Lord, and our Savior. So we thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross for the salvation of our souls, delivering us out of the hand of the enemy. And Father, we pray a special prayer for those who are in need of, of healing. Uh, there are some that we have prayed for yesterday in our uh, weekly call with uh, the church and uh, a video uh, conference and so forth with the church, God. But Lord, we just come before you again, uplifting uh, others as well, and especially our, our brother, uh, Paul Thompson. God, that you would touch him today. God, touch his body in the name of Jesus Christ. Give him the strength that he needs, God. Undergird him in this very moment of trial, uh, under this moment, God, of physical uh, affliction. But Lord, we know that you're more than just able and that you are the healer. Uh, you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals us. And so we thank you, Lord, for looking upon him and others, God, who are in need of a touch from heaven today. And so we ask you, God, to reach down here upon this earth, God, and uh, invade their bodies, invade their hearts, invade their minds, even, O oh God, and show forth your mighty hand. Let the virtue of the Holy Ghost, the virtue of the power that resides in Jesus Christ, and let it even move even now in the holy name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you, God, for setting free. And even, God, as we're here this morning to attend to your word, I pray, God, that you would give us a word that will uh, help us in our daily life. And also, God, calls us to look to you, the one who is the reason for all things even being. For we live, we move, and we have our being in you. So bless us even now through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we just give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give God a praise right there if you don't mind. Got something a little bit in my eye here. Praise God. Um, give God some praise this morning for his goodness, uh, for his mercy. And certainly for his grace, I just got a little excited yesterday on our church call, uh, just dealing, uh, just thinking about the grace of God and how that we have experienced something uh, that even the angels cannot identify with. Uh, the grace of God 
uh, through this great salvation that we have of him uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Uh, I'm grateful and glad to be saved. And I know sometimes we throw terms around theologically and, and uh, from a religious standpoint, and sometimes people then don't necessarily get to grasp the meaning of some of those things. But I'm glad to be saved uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, because it's only through his sacrifice on the cross that we're able to experience the great power of the anointing of God, the strength of God, and being uh, born again uh, in and by the Holy Spirit. For except a man is born again, he cannot enter uh, the kingdom of God. And so I thank God for his grace, his salvation, and his tender mercy. It's so good to see all of you coming on here still again. And if you haven't, go ahead and press that share button uh, for this morning for others who uh, would, can and will join in with us. Well, we're going to shift gears today. Uh, we shift gears from a uh, New Testament book to an Old Testament book. And my intent uh, will be to address uh, the matter of faith for a few Sundays. Um, and I know that faith is something that we uh, all uh, experience and know. God bless you, Elder Porter. Good to see you. Hey, Deacon. Deacon Ronnie, all right, Brother Pompey, bless you, man. Good to see you this morning. Um, faith is a, a part of our living, uh, for the Bible declares the just shall live by faith. And so we're going to, uh, intend us to address uh, just a few matters in regards to faith for a few Sundays here. And, uh, but today we're going to a familiar story of scripture and yet not jumping so quickly uh, into what is so familiar about the story uh, that we will break into today. Uh, often, uh, when we, we, we leap headfirst uh, into the familiar, when we do that, when we just leap right into the familiar of something that we think we already have a grasp on, we can sort of lose sight about some meaning in the story. God bless you, Brother Carl. Good to see you, man. And uh, praise God for the family and the kids as well, and Sister Candace. Uh, so when we do that, we sort of lose sight of some meaning in the story. We jump right into what we think is already there, the familiarity of that story. Uh, so just as we did in our last series in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, regarding the day of Pentecost, to gain a more broad and insightful understanding of that event, we went beyond merely reading about the event uh, to delving into aspects of it to discover its deeper meaning, uh, its import and value uh, to us individually uh, as it relates to society. They even have dealt with some of the things out of Acts chapter 2 in regards to uh, the racial situation that we're yet still uh, in the throes of. All right, and so uh, we went in to delve in a little bit to discover its uh, deeper meaning, uh, its import, and its value to us individually, societally, and also to us as the body of Christ. And so I encourage you, uh, if you missed any of those teachings uh, entirely on Pentecost, and more specifically, a theological perspective on Pentecost, I encourage you to go back video feed and, and check out those teachings. But today uh, we're going to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read the first 11 verses uh, in there. You may have your Bible with you this morning. 
Uh, but these uh, the verses read like this. Now the Philistines. Now if I get some of these uh, Old Testament uh, uh, terms, uh, uh, my vocabulary gets a little messed up here in pronouncing and pronouncing these terms. Just just bear with me here. Uh, but it reads: Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at uh, Shoko, uh, which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah, uh, one of those two there, in Ephesdamon. All right, Ephesdamon. Wow, that's a big word right there, y'all. Uh, could be uh, Pasdamon as well. It's on the coast of Damon. I believe that it would read there. But in verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had uh, graves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's uh, head weighed uh, 600 shekels of iron, one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And you, servants to Saul, choose you a man for you. And let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then it switches in verse 12. It says, Now David was the son of the Ephrodite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the men uh, went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And now David, uh, the son uh, of Jesse. All right. Um, for, for a subject matter, and again, we're so I'm going to toggle through a few things here, and that we'll probably continue on this from this subject matter next week. Uh, but I just want to talk to you uh, in this particular little series and getting started and dealing with faith on matters of faith uh, uh, from this, the subject confronting gigantic challenges. Confronting gigantic challenges. And I know uh, if you're like me, uh, you may be facing some now and you have in the past. And if you haven't, I guarantee you, uh, you're going to be facing some uh, gigantic challenges some point in time in your life. Now, this is probably uh, the best known story in the books, in the books of Solomon. Solomon, uh, one, first Solomon, Solomon, uh, first book of Solomon and second Solomon. And uh, 
A reason for this being uh, probably the best known story is that we can all identify with David in this story, uh, in this chapter. And just as why so many people uh, love uh, the book of Psalms, all right? Uh, we identify uh, with the emotion of the writers in Psalms, especially uh, the Psalms written by David himself, because we experience so many of the types of circumstances are the actual event may not be the same. Sometimes they are, uh, but we experience the, the many types of the circumstances that stir up similar emotions that were uh, expressed by the writers of the Psalms. And so people just love the Psalms because they can connect with them because of the emotions that are stirred up through the circumstances that we go through in life. Now, one commentator uh, regarding uh, the writing of 1 Samuel chapter 17 said this, that uh, this is this is perhaps the world's most beloved story illustrating God's ability to victory in the face of overwhelming odds. And so it is. Uh, all of us, uh, sometimes we're facing things and so we can identify, okay, we can identify with what we're reading there in this story. And this chapter really contains a, an amazing story an amazing story of David. Uh, he is the young Israelite shepherd uh, who takes on the challenge of the Philistine champion fighter named Goliath. And when we say champion, uh, that word actually means the man in between. Okay, the man in between. And so the champion uh, was the one who stood out and came and stood in between the two armies. All right fighting for his particular side, the, the team or the army that he was uh, representing. And so, uh, but from a, a human perspective, from a human perspective, David uh, is really one uh, as if a dwarf, all right, compared to a giant uh, in this story. And so it's the story of Goliath versus the army of Israel, but also it's a story of David's transformation and his rise from being a shepherd of flock to becoming a leader of God's people. And in this story, uh, as in often uh, times in life, uh, David uh, is the one who was seemingly the unlikely hero or the unlikely champion, all right? The one to stand in the middle, all right? And do the fighting, all right? And win on top of that and win on top of that. And so uh, we sort of identify with that sometimes in, in things that happen to us in life and challenges that we're confronted with, which are inevitable, okay? Uh, challenges are, are, are inevitable from the womb uh, to the grave and they're confronting us through different situations of all shapes and sizes. Uh, they come uh, in the form of circumstances or conditions uh, presenting some serious difficulty, uh, some pressure, uh, some uh, overwhelming uh, hardship, uh, some that potentially raise a level of stress uh, just to being confronted, all right, uh, with challenges uh, can be uh, a task that we have to tend to and can be a bit formidable uh, because these things often appear as gigantic, all right? They appear gigantic overwhelming or formidable and uh, sometimes they bring frustration to us uh, may even bring fear as it did 
uh, to King Saul and the Israelite army. As we read there in verse 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more as we uh, continue on probably uh, looking at next week. But uh, dealing with this here, uh, Goliath, though, is not necessarily designated as a giant in the story. Okay, we, we put him there as that, and, and rightly so, all right? But he's not designated as a giant in the story. It's just everything about him portrays him as a formidable force, all right? Uh, a formidable force, something that is just so tough against us as if there is no way that we're going to be able to overcome or to be the victor uh, because of the overwhelming odds apparently against us. And in this situation, look at it as it is for uh, uh, for the Israelite army. God bless you, Deacon Sidney. God bless you, man. Uh, we're, we're taking a look at a familiar story, but uh, taking a look at it uh, a little bit more in depth to some degree uh, to get a better perspective on it without just jumping into the story. But everything about Goliath was formidable. Okay, number one was his height. Uh, there in verse four it says, and there went out a champion out of the camp of Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Some are taking a look at that and, and uh, uh, actually putting some uh, actual figures for for our our terminology today. He was over about nine feet. It may have been nine feet nine inches thereabouts. Okay, so just a little under ten feet. And certainly for us, uh, that appears to be a giant. All right, compared to, especially if I stood up against somebody nine feet, if I stand up against somebody six feet, all right, uh, they look like a giant. And I don't really realize that sometimes until I look in a mirror or I look at a picture. I've uh, been taken with somebody and said, man, I'm, uh, either they're really tall or I'm really short. It's one of those two. But his height, all right, uh, is, is he exceeds over everybody else. And, and that's really what uh, the, the point is here is that he is standing over everybody else. That what makes him seemingly ah, a formidable force. But secondly, was also his covering. In verse 5, the first part of verse 6 uh, reads, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of, of brass. That's about 125 pounds of brass. Uh, that's pretty heavy, y'all, 125 pounds of brass. And he had graves of brass upon his legs, all right? So this dude was loaded down. He was loaded down. And uh, uh, he had a target. He had a target of brass between his shoulders. And so his covering uh, and his weapons, all right, were tough. Going on here, looking at his weapons. He had a staff, in verse 7, of a spear. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear weighed uh, 600 shekels of iron. So it, that's about 151 pounds, 151 pounds of iron, all right? So his height uh, was formidable. He was just exceeding over everything else, towering over everybody else. Uh, his covering uh, was heavy. Uh, it, it weighed more to some people that we know, Okay. Uh, just just what he had on covering him. So you can imagine what he might have weighed as being nine, almost 10 foot tall. And his weapons just were powerful 
and the things that he had weighing 151 pounds of iron. But then he also had a protector, says there at the end of verse um, uh, 7, and he had one bearing a shield went before him. So he had a protector. He had his height, his covering, the weapons, his protector, and then just uh, his voice, probably the sound of his voice. I, I doubt that his voice was very tinny, very high, high toned or whatever, but his voice along with the challenge, all right, makes this seemingly a formidable uh, uh, obstacle, a formidable opponent, all right, a formidable foe, okay? Again, and he stood and cried, he shouted, he roared unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to this battle, your battle in array? Am not I Philistine and you servants to Saul? He's really was setting at naught the strength, all right, of Saul being king and also the armies of Israel. And he says, so choose you out a man after you and uh, let him come out to me. And if we fight, if he wins, we'll be your servants. If y'all win, we'll be your servants. And he just said, I defy, I'm challenging. I, he taunted and really was insulting the armies of Israel. So give me a man uh, to come out here and fight with me. So we're going to take a look at this story and, and the faith needed to face a foe. All right. By identifying, I'm going to try to identify, if you will, uh, when facing gigantic struggles or before we delve into all of this, uh, let, let me give a quick uh, disclaimer here. Uh, now, I'm not sure uh, if these steps will help you win out or over some challenges you might be having right now, such if, you, if you're challenged by candy, if you're challenged by all of that cake that's sitting on the counter, if you're challenged by all the chocolate that is around, whether it's the little kisses or uh, some Kit Kats or whatever, I'm not too sure what I'm going to share with you is going to help you overcome that. All right, I just want to let you know that up front here. That's another battle uh, that we all are having to contend with, especially uh, in this pandemic. And so uh, we'll, that have to be another lesson for us. All right. So this is not a uh, steps of faith of conquering all things. All right. I just want to put the disclaimer out there because uh, I don't want you to, to, to get your hopes all missed out. Said, Pastor said I can be the victor over everything. Well, that's a little different kind of uh, a challenge there, confrontation there. Uh, but, but what's important? But what's important here for us is first to establish what I call the background to the battleground. All right, the background to the battleground. In other words, uh, the theology behind the story. It's very important that we start here first as opposed to just jumping into the story. I know we like to just get right in there and dig in there and, and talk about how David uh, slew Goliath, okay? Uh, but the theology behind the story is very important. The background to the battleground. Because there's generally always a story behind the story. Uh, for instance, this is what we find uh, in uh, the story of Job, uh, in the book of Job, in the wisdom literature. If you read in Job chapter 1, starting in verse 13 through chapter 2 and verse 8, that uh, Job experienced or he had three rounds of calamity, of loss, if you will, uh, with suddenness, all right, and completeness. It was entire, okay? There was nothing left uh, of any kind of anything left after all the calamity that he had. And uh, he lost all of his possessions, all right? Can you imagine that, losing all his possessions, your possessions? He lost all his children. His children were killed uh, in a calamity. 
And then thirdly, he was afflicted uh, in his body with the disease that it, it, it affected and afflicted uh, his entire body, not just a little bit, not just a part of his body, not just a segment uh, of, of his uh, torso or something or just having a headache. His entire body was inflicted with a disease, okay? That's the story. All right. And we read about that. Then we see about his comforters, his counselors that try to come along and uh, try to help him to ascertain what's going on here. Figured out really, man, what'd you do wrong? You did something wrong. There ain't no way this is going to happen to anybody. All right. Uh, to this kind of magnitude, unless they did some sin, you had to do some sin. All right. And so sometimes we can, people can, uh, as uh, one of our members brought out very clearly uh, in a video uh, talk yesterday with church members uh, about how the judgments can be made. We are so quick and so apt to we make judgments. And that's your sister Cheryl. God bless you. Uh, we're so quick and apt to uh, judge people or judge things. Okay. And that that's why it's important uh, to understand the story behind the story or the background in this case to the battleground. All right. And so, for instance, the theology of the story of Job, okay, unknown to Job, all right, what was behind the story was unknown to Job, all right? But when we read Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, we find the theology of the story, the story behind the story is this, that God, excuse me, God may allow people to be tested so that they can demonstrate their dedication to God because he knows how dedicated you are to him and that you will stand firm in your faith no matter what comes against you, just like Daniel uh, and the three Hebrew boys, all right? God will allow us to be tested to demonstrate our dedication to him and his will for our lives. So there's always a story behind the story. Even so, when people tell you some stuff sometimes, you know how, how real this is. Uh, people will give you an excuse as a reason for something. But you know that what they tell you is not the real reason, right? There's something behind what they say, right? There's something that's the real thing uh, uh, behind what they're actually telling you and wanting you to receive from them. And so it is here, all right? There's a story behind the story. There's a background to the battleground. That's what I'm gonna give you real quick here. Number one, is it deals with the battle line between the Philistines and the Israelites. The battle line between the Philistines and the Israelites. For it reads, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together uh, at the place there uh, in Judah, all right, between Shoka, uh, Shoko and uh, Azekah. And uh, the uh, Israelites were also there gathered together and there was a galley, a, galley, a valley uh, there uh, that was pitched and they were set array on one side to another. When you deal with, this didn't just happen just right here in chapter 17, all right? The Philistine-Israelite conflict was not nothing new. Uh, this conflict actually began, uh, we read in the book of Judges. And so this conflict right here is nothing new that is taking place right here. It wasn't something that just popped up out of the clear blue and it's like, man, where these guys come from, all right? Um, I mean, dealing with just a little bit of the history 
the tribes under uh, Joshua's leadership, the tribe of Israel, that is, under the under Joshua's leadership, uh, they had settled in the plains, uh, central plains, uh, or highlands, uh, in, uh, while the, the Philistines uh, in the area uh, were always there, too, because when, when they went in there, uh, they never really did drive out all of the Canaanites and all of the enemies there. The Philistines lived in a few of the capital cities as well on the coastal plains, all right, in around where the tribes of Israel were under Joshua. And in the intervening years, all right, of the period of the judges, all right, we start there in the book of Judges, God appointed people as judges, okay? And Samuel uh, becomes, is really the last judge. All right, he is the last judge. But in this period, this intervening period of, of the judges, the Philistines had always been Israel's greatest military threat. And defeating them, defeating the Philistines had been Israel's primary principal reason for requesting a king. We find that in, in uh, the same book in chapter 9. Uh, it reads uh, in verse 15 and 16, it says, Now the Lord said, uh, told Samuel, rather, the Lord told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man of the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be captain over my people Israel. Why? That he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is upon me. And so their principal reasoning for requesting a king was because of this, all right? Uh, this conflict here, definitely with the Philistines. Now, Saul's initial victory uh, over the Philistines drove them out of Israel's central highland area and, and made this battle between the Israelite and the Philistines really inevitable. All right, and you've got to read that, go back. You find some of that information in chapters 13 and 14 uh, in this particular book. But much is at stake in this, much is at stake in this conflict, so much that really uh, the, the peace and prosperity of Israel's future could be said to, to be hanging in the balance right here at this moment in time. And so the battleground between Soko and uh, Azake uh, places this event uh, in the foothills of Judah, all right, the land there in Palestine, and the valley of, uh, uh, of Elah um, uh, separates the opposing armies here. Uh, you've got uh, Israel and the Philistines, presumably the, the Philistine troops there on the southern uh, slope of the mountain there, and the Israelite army is on the northern slope of the mountain range there, okay? So that's this conflict. You got this battle line conflict. It's nothing new. Uh, it's been waging for a long time. And one of the reasons why God uh, responded to Israel's uh, request for a king is because they wanted to be able to defeat the Philistines, their greatest military threat, all right? But also here, you have the theological significance of David's rise to power, all right? What we're seeing here, there's always a storyline uh, in the scripture, okay? Just just real quick here, even from, from uh, 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 Cain and Abel, there's a storyline here. 
that there's always a battle between the spirit and the flesh. We find that all the way through here. Individuals uh, represent the line of the spirit. Individuals represent the line of the flesh. And even when we get into the New Testament, our spiritual battles is really what is between the spirit and the flesh. All right. It's the spirit and the flesh. And so what we have here as a part of the background uh, to this battleground, the story behind the story, the theology of the story is the theological significance of David's rise to power. David uh, rose all right, up to this point in this moment. He rises to power really under the protection and the uh, auspices and, and ages of Saul during peacetime. And that's what we read about him. Uh, chapter 16 and 17 really go together because uh, you really don't, don't really see the real significance of chapter 17 without really having 16 uh, in your back pocket or on the back side of your mind there. All right. And so David rises to power. Uh, under Saul's, uh, in the court, in the courtyards, in the, in the royal palace, if you will, in a period of peace in chapter 16. And he also, though, rises up, all right, under God in chapter 17 during a time of war, during a time of war, all right? And then knowing and understanding God's plan in, in reading through the book of 1 Samuel, uh, one of the things we learn is that God's first and original best plan, he was to rule Israel, all right? He was to be the ruler. He was to be the king, the only king that Israel will have. Uh, and just as we saw in the early history of Israel, but because of the nation's uh, military and political needs uh, and, and their selfish demands, right? they demanded God demanded a king the lord uh, i'm going to lightly say he, the lord agreed all right uh to rule israel then through human anointed ones uh that he appointed and allowed them to have as kings okay and so saul was the first king but the thing about it is this saul failed because he refused uh god's authority Right. And again, in the previous chapter here, we see that David is anointed in chapter 16 by uh, the, the judge and the prophet uh, uh, Samuel. All right. And uh, he is Saul's successor. All right. And so the military victory of David uh, against Goliath, what it does is that it validates David's anointing that he received in chapter 16, right, from the prophet Samuel. Just as Saul's victory was also validated against the Ammonites in chapter 11 of this particular book, right, which validates his anointing by the same man, Saul, that God told him to anoint, as we read there a little bit in chapter 9, okay? So there's always a story behind the story. And so it's important to, to get that uh, before jumping into the story to really see what is God really doing here. It's not just looking at the event. Again, as we did with the book of Pentecost, I mean, on the day of Pentecost and actually to do it, we went beyond just the event, all right? We can see the action. 
but what's the meaning behind the action? And that's really what's happening here. And the point I want you to get here this morning as we close and then pick back up again next Sunday. God has a story behind your story, okay? He has a story behind your story. People see you, all right? They see what's happening to you, see you in your life, all right? But as you, are, you hear people say, uh, you don't know uh, the, uh, the story behind my glory, all right? There are people who make that comment because there's always a story behind the story. And so just as God had a theological purpose of what was happening, all right, right here, when we come into here and see what happens with David and how also how Saul responds in this story, all right, there's a theological purpose behind it. And so just as it is in this story right here, God has a theological purpose in our lives that we are living out right now. We may not know in totality, what that real theological purpose is, just as Job had no idea about the story behind his story. But I just want you to know that God has a true purpose in your life that fits into his plan, that fits into his purpose, all right? So ride with God in the story because it is his purpose that will always prevail because of his will. All right, we're going to stop right there. My time is up. My time is up. So don't, don't, don't check out on me here, all right? Come on back and be with me here this coming Sunday. We're going to pick up this here again because we're going to deal with a little bit on faith and we're going to deal a little bit with confronting gigantic challenges and actually looking at the story, but we understand a little bit better why this is happening, okay? Because God is making moves, all right, in the lives of both Saul and in the lives of David in according and being aligned to the purposes that God has, all right, in fulfilling the story of Israel. And so it is with us. God is working out our story that he already has written out. All right, get that? God is working out our story that he has already written out. I love you today. And again, uh, if you have a prayer request, if you need some support, spiritual support, we want to connect with you. We want to connect with you. We want to connect with you. And the greatest way that we can connect with one another is for us to be connected through and in Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, the greatest thing for you to do in this time and age right now is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess your sins before God and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to free you, to deliver you from sin. Because Jesus Christ is the only freedom rider we really got. All right. He is the one that makes us free. If the Son makes you free. You are free indeed. And so, my friend, if you're here, you may want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Uh, confess this with me. And when I say you use the word confess, all it means biblically is that I agree with God. I agree with God. All right. Father, forgive me, for I am a sinner. I have done wrong. I have erred. And I am in need of salvation. Deliver me from myself. 
from my sin and certainly from Satan. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross for me that I might be saved. Save me because of my faith and my belief in Jesus' death. And I thank you for justifying me through raising him up from the grave. Amen. My friend, the word of the Lord lets us know that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that we shall be saved. If you prayed that prayer and sincerely did so, we want to know that. And I want to connect with you. We want to stay connected with you. Text 7676-2317-676-0134. Again, if you prayed that prayer, text 7676-2317-676-0134. And in the comments section, just let us know, I prayed that prayer. Or you may have a prayer request, anyone. You can text that number again to that number, 7676-2317-676-0134. Type in your prayer request, or if you want to become a part of our online church community, just type in the comments section, online church. And as always, uh, you can give a financial support, a donation to the ministry in four ways. One is through Cash App, that's dollar sign, C-O-F-C-O-G-I-C. Also through Giveify, uh, the mobile giving app. There's a blue bar on our Facebook page. Just press that blue bar. It will direct you to Giveify. Just follow the prompts. You can make your donation that way. It's quick, fast, easy. You'll get an email receipt of that as well. And then you can also give by way of PayPal to Citadel of Faith, Church of God in Christ. And you can also mail uh, to the church, 7676 East 38th Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And as always, you can take us along with you no matter where you are through our uh, podcast, Journey to the Citadel. And you can find us on uh, Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts, Soundbreaker, iHeartRadio, and also on the website of the church at uh, citadelkojic.com. Please like us and follow us here on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And that's uh, at the at sign, Citadel Kojic. And uh, if I shared something with you of worth, you received something of, of worth uh, for your life, some value, again, share this on your timeline. Let others know uh, what you insight you receive from the word of the Lord today. And recommend this here on Facebook if you would as well. Uh, and we'll be back here this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, right here on the Citadel of Faith page. We'll continue our studies in the book of Ephesians on the work of the Holy Spirit. Please know that Lady Rita, Marie, Smiling, Mooney, Bevan, and I love you very much, but more importantly, God loves you more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And no matter what challenges you're confronted with right now, please remember the words of Jesus Christ when he said that if you can believe, all things are possible. Have a great remaining Lord today. I look forward to you being with us this coming Wednesday. Peace.